You're tuning into Parenting Naked, a collaborative to help navigate the celebrations and challenges of parenting. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Parenting Naked. This is Misty White. We have um, Gretchen Levy and Danan Moore Hello. here as Hi. well. And we have two really awesome guests today that we're excited to have talk with us. We've got Erica and Amber Lee. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Hi. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about um, when pregnancies seemingly are going okay or you're finding out during pregnancy that baby is not as healthy as we had hoped that they were going to be and dealing with that, hearing the news of, oh my gosh, this baby is not perfect the way that we all think that babies should be and being able to talk about it, maybe educating other women who are getting pregnant or are finding out that their babies have been diagnosed with something or when you think baby is perfectly healthy and you have the child and find out that it's got, your baby has certain diagnoses. I think a lot of us are pretty fortunate to not have to go through these trials and tribulations, but um, for other women, it's a reality, and other parents, it's a reality. And so my hope with uh, our two guests is that they can educate us and tell us what they've gone through and give the rest of us advice of how we can better support you and other women and families going through this. So um, that is our, our hope with today's show. So, okay. Erica, is it okay if I put you on the hot spot? Sure, yeah. Um, so, I have had two pregnancies, and both of those have um, ended with um, two children. So, I have a son, and he is five and a half, and I have a daughter, and she is uh, just a little bit over two. You have your hands full. You're busy. Yes, and they are busy kids, too. It's fun. So. <laughs> um, and I have had um, six pregnancies, and um, two of them were miscarriages, but then I had four. I've had four children, um, and they are older. So the oldest is 18, and then I have a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a uh, 12-year-old. Also very busy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sleepless nights <laughs> in a very different way. <laughs> so I guess, Erica, tell us your story. Kind of jump in and tell us a little bit about your son and how life has been. Um, okay, so he um, was born um, with uh, Cruzon syndrome, um, and it is a craniofacial syndrome. Um, basically, his skull bones fused together before they were supposed to and usually our skull bones fuse around 30 years of age and his most of them were fused by the time he was a year so he um had six surgeries um by the time he was a year and a half and then he had a seventh one when he was two um and then like an eighth one which was on his eye so he's had like eight surgeries total and his last one was when he was around, yeah, around three. So, um, so yeah, he's just been through a lot of surgeries. We've been at the hospital a lot um, for those. And yeah, just kind of learning how to deal with that. And he's got a lot more surgeries in his future because now he's work, we're working on more of the facial bones. Um, those also fuse with it. So he's had, um, so his cheekbones and his jaw bones are all fused together so they don't grow forward so he has a lot of like chewing and breathing issues um also like eye socket issues that like so his, his eyes are further apart and they're they bulge out a little bit those um are kind of the differences and they'll have to do a, a very large surgery when he gets a little bit older to move all that forward um but yeah it's kind of learning how to like go through all the different doctors oh and kind gosh, of dealing yeah, with medical right. stuff mm-hmm. with that just kind of learning how um to help him kind of navigate his world because it's a little bit different sure. um you know like just like kids notice it a lot more um like now he's getting a little older it's a lot like well what's wrong with his eyes and you know that kind of stuff and thankfully right. his father also has the condition it's genetic um so he can kind of he has a little bit of a sounding board with his father you know, he's been through it mm-hmm. um so I think that's very helpful but so it's just kind of been the learning curve from oh when God. he was born, the, when he was born his first surgery yet when he was three and a half months old so yeah I can't um, even imagine that you yeah. get this little your little precious baby and you're handing your baby over to a team of doctors yeah. did yeah. you know the doctors I mean is this one like 
here's where we need educated. So like, mm-hmm. do they just say, okay, he now needs to have surgery. Do you get to meet any of the doctors or do they walk you through any of that? Yeah. Well, so thankfully, like, um, he, he was diagnosed like right when he was born. Um, basically the pediatrician came in and said he has craniosynostosis. Like they saw him, they're like, he's craniosynostosis. He has more than likely has Cruzon syndrome. So then we went and I think we met his doctors. I think he was eight days old when he went down to Children's and met his doctors, um, his team. He has a neurosurgeon and a plastic surgeon um, that we've been meeting with since he was at age. And we're going to keep okay. with them unless okay. something happens with, like, they leave the hospital or whatever. But um, so we've met them and then we kept going back. We went, like, a couple more times to mm-hmm. talk to them and, like, it, like uh, CT scans and kind of go over, like, what is going on in his brain, what's going on in his head and his skull. And yes, yeah, so we got it. We only meet them a couple times before we handed him over. It wasn't like, here's a team and <laughs> he's yeah. going back to surgery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we did get to meet him a couple of times and mm-hmm. you get to talk to him. And thankfully, so you do get to kind of know him a little bit. Are there, <laughs> it's still scary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Are there questions that you wish that you would have known to ask going into this? Like we talk often about like when we go in, when women go in to just even meet their um, doctors, they always say, do you, do you have any questions? And you're like, I don't know. I've never had a kid before. I don't, I don't know what questions <laughs> to be asking. Right. And I would imagine that same thing would pop up when you're, you know, you're talking to a doctor and they're like, do you have any questions? You're probably like, yeah, I've got all of them, <laughs> but I don't know how to put words to it. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of it was, um, you know, I ha- we had a little bit of time to kind of do some research and like a really went online and I know they tell you not to do that, but like this is a very rare condition. So it's very hard to not go online. You can't just go call up your neighbor and talk to them about it. Um, so a lot of research online and I, I went to scholarly articles. I didn't go on to like Dr. Google. Um, so <laughs> I tried to learn uh, about some stuff. I would just try to get as much knowledge as you can on what you're going in with because, um, we had a couple options on surgeries. So I think to know what, type of surgeries he had the options to have and like talking to the doctors and really being knowledgeable about like, well, can you have this surgery? And then the doctor will be like, well, that one has these risks and this type of stuff that happens. And this one has less risks or, you know, mm-hmm. so they had some options. I think one thing that I, we got lucky and have a really great team, um, talking with some other people in the craniofacial community, they don't get lucky. You know, you, you walk in and you are saddled with a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the big thing is to take a moment. If you don't like your doctor, fire your doctor, mm-hmm. find a new one. Okay, um, yes, because yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, you can definitely go in and you think you have to do this team because mm-hmm. I mean, your kid is 10 days old and they're here and yeah. it's easy because they're at this, do- at this hospital. But I mean, if you need to go across country to find the best doctor or find the best doctor, yeah. like do it. Erica, that's great advice because I feel like when you have a baby, you feel so vulnerable mm-hmm. that it's like, well, whatever my baby, like whatever they need, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Like, you know, and I could picture at least myself, like being like, okay, well, whatever you say, mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like, let's just do that. But, like, having that advice and you helping share that with other parents, like, you can be selective yeah. and you can look at options. Yeah. And, you it, you know, as long as it's not like this needs to happen this moment yeah. um, to to empower yourself in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, do your research on doctors. I mean, you know, we, like, ours is fairly, like, again, it's a fairly rare and it's a small community. So there's doctors. There's some doctors that are better than others. They've done it. They've done surgeries thousands of times. Maybe they've done a hundred this year. And then maybe there's doctors who've only done two in their lifetime because it's rare enough. So, I mean, I, I just like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff. If you do find yourself with a rare child, I would say definitely do your research, find the doctors that know what they're doing mm-hmm. and don't just go and say, these doctors do this quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but do that, do they do it well mm-hmm. <laughs> or have they had much experience? And I think it's a big thing. I think you really need to and it's hard because you're tired and <laughs> frustrated and <clears throat> sad, <Yeah>. and <laughs> but you have to do you have to do your due diligence, I guess. <laughs> so. Did you do any prep work because your husband also has this as well? So mm-hmm. you knew that it might be a possibility, or did they rule that out and say it's not? 
Um, ours was a little weird. Um, most families would. I would in our in our case, it's a fifty percent chance um, okay. that you would have a child with it. He did not know he had it. <laughs> uh, he thought he just had um, had craniosynostosis, which is not a syndrome. It's not genetic. Okay, so like it's like maybe point. Five percent, like half a percent chance that anyone could have it, have a child with it, um, even if you have it already. There's no way like that you wouldn't have it okay. again. Um, and that's what he thought he had when that doctor came in and told us that our son had craniosynostosis and said then it, and he more than likely has cruzons. And they said, looked at him and said, your the father also has it. You know, so he was diagnosed too at the same time. Basically, yeah. Oh my gosh! So I mean, yeah. Like a yeah. I mean, we knew he had craniosynostosis. Yeah. Um, that's what we had had heard. Um, and yeah. So, but yeah, it's like the base. The doctor said, and looking at the father, he also has it. So, so he they oh, both got genetic he tested. Said, said it a little <laughs> bit nicer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, probably was. I mean, it was like the day after I had him, so I was yeah. probably a little tired. But I mean, yeah. But you know, yeah. it was basically like they they mm-hmm. both have it. So no matter what, it didn't sound good when you heard yeah right yeah so I was like okay um but yeah I mean so we I mean we did talk to the doctor I mean like I talked to my doctor and we did talk to the pediatrician and we said you know before when we were on when I was still pregnant you know we're like well is there the possibility that he could get craniosynostosis and they're like well you know it's not really that big of a issue probably won't happen but if something happens we will recommend you to children's hospital so they kind of like told us like this is what would happen if something happens uh but there wasn't the like Oh, he has this genetic syndrome that is mm-hmm. more than just the cran- like the craniosynostosis. So, um, the the syndrome is much more involved. <laughs> so yeah, sure. Yeah. Did you have a healthy pregnancy? Yeah, it was um, almost completely normal. We just had a marginal insertion of the cord, so they were looking at anatomy scans. You know, we were doing those every what like week, every two weeks, then every week towards the end. So mm-hmm. just to make sure he was growing correctly, but. Um, everything was fine. Um, sure. They didn't do any, like, high, like, we didn't do any 3D ultrasounds or anything. If we mm-hmm. had done that, they probably would have seen his skull that was just was misshapen because it was um, right. misshapen when he was born. Um, so we probably would have seen that. It may have given us a clue beforehand, but that would have probably been the only thing. Otherwise, sure. the ultrasounds were just basically normal. Mm-hmm. Um, would you re- recommend 3D Ultrasounds, knowing that? I think if you knew that you were going to have some sort of skull issues, I'd say, like, if there was something that that, or any sort of, like, maybe, like, you may be thinking that you might have been, like, some sort of difference um, anatomically, I'd say, yeah, maybe the 3D might help a little Mm -hmm. bit to see it, because it does get a little bit more in depth, Mm -hmm. like, you can see a little bit better. And then then he was always hiding, so that didn't help either. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think in his case, it probably would have shown a little bit more, but I mean, it didn't really change anything. Um, I think the only thing it may have changed was I tried to have him naturally, um, and I labored for 15 hours, and he did not progress at all. Um, and ended up having a C-section. Um, and I think he wasn't progressing because his skull couldn't, um, overlap to right. come out of the birth oh, canal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, cause it was fused already. So I think that would have been oh, something yeah. I wouldn't have had to labor for 15 hours. They would have mm-hmm. probably just done a C-section. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so like, right. well, that could have helped a little bit, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. so that'd be the only thing that would really change for me anyway. Well, thank you for sharing mm-hmm. Is it okay if we jump to you now? Sure. (laughs) So tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about what happened, you know, your pregnancy, and then your story is a little bit different than Erica's. Right. Um, I had two children. My my plan was to have the children close in age so that the children were still pretty young. I had an almost three-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old when my son was born the third child and he's the one with special needs. So I'm going to talk about him a little bit, but that pregnancy was normal. Um, the only thing that was really different about that pregnancy versus the older two is that I just was not sick. So like the older two children, I threw up a lot. I lost weight, um, during my first pregnancy quite a bit. Um, and I was sick until like the end of the second trimester. So it was, it was pretty significant. Yeah. And, and, but with, my third child, I wasn't sick. And so I kind of took that as a sign, like, oh, maybe my body is adjusting to pregnancy or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't worried about it. But um, 
that was the only real change. Um, they did screen me for um, any genetic problems because I was in my um, 30s when he was born. So I think that they, you know, whatever, they just do the, the screenings because you're a little bit of an older mom. And um, he, there was no risk of anything. So we had... <clears throat> no idea that anything um, could be wrong with him. So he was born um, a little bit early at 36 and a half weeks. That was also a little bit of a red flag, but again, I wasn't super worried about that because um, when he was born, he looked um, healthy. He looked fine. Um, he was sleepy, sleepier than my other children were, and I wasn't sure if it was because he was slightly premature or... Right. Um, like they're still kind of supposed to be in the womb, so you kind of... Right. Like, right. So, yeah. Right. So I would I wouldn't think anything different about that either. I yeah, I didn't I didn't quite know, you know, and the other thing is I think that doctors treat you a little bit differently when it's your third child cuz I think they feel like you've got it. Like you know exactly what yeah. you're doing and so um we went home um from the hospital with him had kind of settled in a little bit and I was noticing um that his um abdomen was uh distended. It just looked like weirdly big, um, almost like a polywog, I might describe it. It's just like um, a teardrop shaped baby. It almost. was kind of like a beer belly. Yeah, kind of. It was. It but was on different. A baby. More pronounced. Yeah, and I, again, I'm just wondering if it's because he's early, or you know, I I just mm -hmm. didn't know when he was, um, you know, about a week old. I called the, the pediatricians and, and I talked to the triage nurse and I said, you know, I feel like something is up with this kid's belly. It just does not seem familiar to me. And, um, they were dismissive. Um, and they said, you know, it's probably gas, try burping him and, you know, he'll be fine. And I said, I really, I just really feel like something is wrong. And they yeah, were like, again, like, trust me, I'm right. mom of three. There's something, <laughs> well, there's something different. They were dismissive, and so mm -hmm. I, I got off the phone with them, and I had people bringing us meals, and so when people would come into the house, I'd say, look at his belly, you know, and that's why I think Denon remembers. Yes. I'm like, I, I feel like this doesn't look normal. So finally, it was a, a Friday. Um, I just said, I cannot go through the weekend worrying about mm -hmm. this baby's belly. So I took him, I drove him to the pediatrician's office without an appointment, and I got him naked because I said, can I just weigh him? You know, and they said, sure. You know, they were maybe annoyed, like they're a big, busy office. And um, so I put him on the scale. And when he was sitting on the scale naked, I kind of grabbed a male nurse that was wa walking behind me. And I said, hey, I said, will you, will you touch this baby's belly? Like, will you look at this? Because this mm -hmm. looks wrong to me. And it was like, um, it was amazing. The, the nurse just like touched the baby and like, got very quiet. It was like, dress him. We're going to find you a room. And like, I walk in the room, there's like three doctors in there and they're like, you need to go directly to children's hospital. And oh so God. I know. Oh, wow. I'm know. so glad you trusted your, <laughs> I'm just listening to your story going, Oh my God, I'm so glad it was your third and you trusted yourself and that you went there. Right. Yeah. And right. Like I'm doing this, whether I have an appointment or not. I, and I'm ashamed to say it now, but I was also worried about the copay. I mean, I was just worried about so many things. Like, yeah, I just was not as pushy as if I had any idea what was going on with my son, I would have been a lot pushier. But um, anyway, I had my other two children with me also as part of the story. So they Jeez. said, they said, just like, put the kids in the car, drive to children's, don't stop to eat, don't stop to do anything. Just, you know, take him straight into the... Um, get an x-ray and so that was kind of a strange I thought request yeah. um so I, I got a hold of my husband you know frantically making phone calls and meet me at children's and I, I found someone to take my kids which was wonderful my aunt drove up and took the older two kids but um they they x-rayed his belly and I had no clue you guys I could not imagine what was wrong like I was really thinking that it was um, like a, an intestinal problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking he had like a blockage or I don't even know, but right. I right. I had no idea. And um, anyway, Danan has part of the story. Do you oh, tell it's your so hard to say. So we can connect the dots. This He's my godson. And we were just so involved 
and it's just a big blur to me too to kind of remember those days but yeah I, I don't think any of us knew what to expect when you guys went to the hospital but you knew he was there I knew he was at the hospital because I tried to call you yeah right and then I didn't yeah. get through and I was too emotional to leave a message, but you saw Children's yeah. Hospital on the caller yeah. ID. And so Dinan just drove, you just drove to the hospital. I have a weird ESP when it comes to certain <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, she just drove straight to the hospital. So, yeah. yeah, I knew something wasn't right. But going back to a little bit earlier in the story, I just couldn't tell the difference with the baby's belly. I think the same thing I was dismissing. To me, I'm like, I don't know. I think he's just a little bloated. And so it was just, um, it was touch and go. It was. Yeah. It was. But they sent in, so they sent in this really shaky, scared resident to tell us <laughs> oh, what's going on. <laughs> and um, he's like, um, he introduced himself as um, an oncologist and that we're going to put Skylar in the, on, you know, we're going to admit him to oncology. Yeah. And I just remember thinking he was completely off base. Like, mm-hmm. I remember thinking... There's yeah, no like oncology. I know. Is the baby a week old at this point? A week old, yeah. Wow. So, and that was a Friday, and so it was. Was he diagnosed by Monday? He well, so that that night, um, they there was a lot that happened. So that happened on a Friday afternoon, and then, you know, by Sunday he was on full life support in the PICU. So he really would not have survived over the weekend, Holy but. Cow. I know. It was, it was it shocking. Gets, we'll get the tissue box out because <laughs> it gets a little bit more emotional. <laughs> but they had, like, so they did, like, immediately they had to do, like, a spinal tap um, oh um, to see what was going on. And he did have leukemia. So they, that's what it was. So what it was is in leukemia, you have some blast cells that are um, abnormal, I guess. Like they're just bigger, they're a different shape. And so the liver cannot uh, filter them. And so what had happened to him and the reason why his belly was like that is he was bloated. He was just filled with cancer cells, like yeah. the liver and the spleen oh my gosh. were pushing up against his lungs. And that's why, so that's why he got so sick so quickly was because he couldn't breathe against the liver and the spleen because they were taking up all of that space for him. So... Yeah, so we just he had had he had so many different surgeries and procedures to try to figure out what was going on with him. And I would imagine just like what we were asking, you don't right. get to choose your doctors at this point. No. Right? It's like, no. okay, this is happening immediately and you just have to put your faith and trust in the medical team. Right. Right. That's a lot of it was just trusting the system. That that was one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn. Um, at Children's Hospital was I just had to trust the system. And sometimes people screwed up. I mean, there were some mistakes made, and I, I was as strong of an advocate as I could for my child. But um, at the end of the day, I, I had no choice at that mm-hmm. point. Like, I remember they gave him blood transfusions before they really talked to us about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of thing where they just had to save his yeah. life. They had, So I think that they have a different... It's a different standard if we had any inkling at all that he was sick like that, we would have, it would have been very helpful (laughs) to be prepared. Yeah. It was a really intense situation. He was in the um, pediatric intensive care for, um, from, so he was born January 23rd and um, he didn't get out until um, I think March 1st. So he was in there for, he went in there like February, you know, basically the whole month of February he was in there. And then, um, and most of the time he's intubated. So they have them, um, they have the breathing machine and, uh, it was, I have to say, you're recalling how long he was there. And for me, it felt like a lifetime and I wasn't even, I wasn't a relative, but it felt so long. And so to kind of put you on the spot a little bit more, it, it evolved into not just being leukemia, but he had another diagnosis. Right. So, yes. So um, what happened is that they thought that the type of leukemia he had was an extremely rare leukemia um, that is almost 100% fatal. So that's kind of like what we were bracing ourselves for. Um, But they did say there was an outside chance that he has this type of leukemia that is specific to Down syndrome. 
But they said, look, he doesn't look like he has Down syndrome. We don't see the, the crease on his hand. We don't see the facial features. We don't see the low tone. We feel like that's a real long shot for him to have that. But um, they're like, it's really a more likely possibility just because of how rare this other leukemia was. So um, they did take the cells or whatever and test him. And they did the genetic testing. And it came back that he did have Down syndrome. He had um, uh, like partial, I guess the best way to describe it would be like a partial Down syndrome. It's called mosaic, mosaicism. So he's So some of his cells have the extra chromosome and some of them do not. So um, that's why it was kind of hidden. Um, Are you familiar with some of these terms too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I was going to say, I would imagine you read a lot about this yeah. stuff too yeah. as well. Well, I, I, I went to school for, I did biology for school. I did, I did a lot of genetics, so we, the mosaicism, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it was a lot of learning. But it was, the, the Down syndrome diagnosis was actually a very positive thing if you can imagine it was a very hopeful right. thing because mm-hmm. it meant that he it wasn't 100 percent fatal in mm-hmm. fact it was would be unusual for it to be fatal yeah. and the reason why it almost killed him was because it took so long to diagnose it and treat it properly so because he he, he was allowed to get so so sick they didn't catch it soon enough mm-hmm. um he could have died like there were a number of times when we thought he was I mean they told us he was going to die um so I know it was horrible but um but because he had the down syndrome that is a different type of leukemia that actually and is remarkable but in some children it just goes away on its own like doesn't even require chemotherapy our son because of his the the severity of it had to have like 10 rounds of chemotherapy but um in some people with down syndrome it's it's this, it just comes and goes. It's a transient thing. So it was amazing. Her son that we're talking about just turned 15 on the yeah. 23rd. Oh, so he is a little oh, miracle, but he's now healthy. he's taller than mom and he's healthy. <laughs> he's healthy. Yeah. I did want to say, just recount, um, because I did have the older two children and that was a really difficult situation without having any immediate family in the area of Denver and just you know many of our friends had young children as well Mm -hmm. so it's like what are we going to do with these other two kids that are somewhat traumatized by Mm -hmm. having their week old baby swept away and Mm -hmm. my husband felt very strongly that one parent needed to be in the hospital with Skylar at all times and I know that um, some people felt like that was the wrong decision um, people at the uh, hospital? Some people did no. not feel like that was <laughs> No, yeah. family. You know how there family was, can be. Oh, it, yeah. divi- it divided the family. It really it did. did. Wow. It really did. Gosh, and so you had so many la- layers right. of just stress wow. and judgment yeah. and intuition and talking to your partner about, okay, what do we need to do? How do we divide mm-hmm. and conquer? How do we get support? Yeah, and because it was flu season, the old... the the three and one year old were not allowed into mm-hmm. the hospital at all. So that was another kind of tough layer because it was like the baby's gone, mom is gone and you what's know what's happening. Mm-hmm. They did one time they, they did feel he only had hours to live and they did allow the older two children to come into the intensive care unit to say goodbye to him. But Jeez, I know well, this, is a, this is an interesting story. <laughs> if you can elaborate for a moment, because this is where I just think, it's an amazing thing. Is that still where where everyone came in? Oh yes, Pastor Mark. So yes. Okay. So then, um, my husband's family believes in infant baptism, and so they um, they made the request that we would baptize the baby before he passed, and so they did baptize the baby. Um, it wasn't part of our faith tradition, but we just at that point were like, we're going to lose the child, so you know. Um, but um, interestingly, after that baptism, um, and, you know, again, he was being pulled off of all of this life support stuff. Um, and we were just really honestly waiting for him to pass. Um, he had, that was his turning point, And he just, he just started getting better from there on. It, it was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I got a call the next morning. I was just, <laughs> I think my jaw dropped and I stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. I think we'll... Did yeah. that switch your faith at all? 
Did it switch my faith to infant baptism? I don't know. I didn't no, know. Just, <laughs> just, you're saying you're I, defi- I definitely, well, I definitely thought that it was a God thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, if you want it, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it was just, it was unbelievable. It just was totally unexpected. Wow. Yeah. It made me believe in the power, power of prayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not church religious, yes. but I'm very mm-hmm. spiritual. And I'll tell you, right. I've never prayed more in my life. And right. I walked away from that situation feeling like there's power in it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Especially when you ask for a community to come together and, and pray for you, mm-hmm. pray with you. It was pretty powerful. Yeah. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And now he's 15. Yeah, now he's 15 and healthy. And has been in remission. He's never been diagnosed with leukemia since. Right. Really? Wow. That's great. I know. He's an awesome (laughs) kid. Well, and so we jump from like this really intense conversation about, okay, you're in the hospital, but what was it like for both the moms once you left the hospital with baby for like the first time. What was that like for you guys? I mean, I would imagine my anxiety would just be through the roof, like just making sure that, I mean, you're a new parent, right? And you're bringing this baby home. I mean, already you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> but, like like the first time we brought them mm-hmm. home, like right after they were born. Cause yeah. they both ended up back in the hospital after, right? And mm-hmm. you did, you, you left the hospital, right? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you didn't get to take your son home right away. No, we did. He, oh, we okay. were only in the hospital for two days. Like we the, even then after we left. C-section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we left. I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And we left. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know. It was such. I don't even remember. I mean, like really, honestly, would they? You know, you go for your week appointment with the pediatrician, and then we were we were at Children's Hospital, and I I don't know. I mean, I don't even really remember the first two <laughs> weeks. Um, other than we were driving a lot, um, and he had some breathing issues right at the beginning. So it was, I mean, we were back, we were in the ER the first night we were home. So we came home, he, we were back in the ER that night, um, because he's having trouble breathing. Um, and it ended up just being acid reflux, but I mean, it was like, I mean, we like were, (laughs) it was just like, let's try to figure this out. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's just like a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of like, what is going on? And then at the same time, just being like completely normal, like new mom. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was just like, you know, he's got this, but he's also just a baby. (laughs) You know, he's like, I've just got to learn how to breastfeed and I've got to learn how to change a diaper. And what do I, I know I've, I've only ever dealt with girls and it was a boy. And what do you do with this stuff that's down here? Um, so I don't, you know, it was just, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of that, but then at the same time, it was a lot like breaking down and crying in the shower because you didn't know what's going to happen. You know, we put him, I mean, he's going to go under anesthesia at three and a half, three and a half months. And it's terrifying. Yep. And you're like hoping that they live, you know, and then they, but they're saying like, you know, there's always a percentage that something happens and we can, we're in their brain. So, I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, they weren't in his brain. They just did skull work, but you know, there's always a chance that they can nick something and get into the, you know, so you're like worried about what's going to happen to his brain and what's going to do that. And so, I don't know, there was like a lot of worry (laughs) and then, you know, going and reading the articles and don't look at pictures. That was a big one. Don't look at pictures. They have whole entire surgeries out there that you can look at the surgery and see exactly what they do. My brain is good enough with imagery (laughs) that I can figure it out myself, what they're going to do to his head. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just, I think there was a lot of within those like first couple months, just kind of not only just figuring out how to be a mom, but also figuring how to, how to be this like caregiver yeah. for someone who's going to have trouble like the rest of their life and kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's just a change. You know, you kind of have to, mm-hmm. your brain has to wrap around it from being like, I'm going to give birth to a healthy, completely quote unquote normal child and then having them be born and it's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just kind of, you have to grieve that too. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's beautiful. You have to grieve that. Mm-hmm. And Hopefully people will allow you to grieve that. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, it's going to get better, you know, and, and trying to provide so much hope. And sometimes you just need somebody to sit with you yeah. mm-hmm. and let you grieve and let you 
transition and process. Yeah. 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 (laughs) This is emotional. I'm sure there are other moms who have gone through this and parents who've gone through this going, I feel that Mm -hmm. I feel that so much. And it comes up. I mean, I would imagine it even comes up for you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bringing that up and talking about it like, Oh, you know, <laughs> there's so much, yeah. Yeah, there's so yeah. much, yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys were just talking about the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yeah. how many appointments right. did you guys go to? Right. How many babysitters did you guys have to find? You know, yeah. how many meals did you have to eat fast food because you're on the go and sleepless nights? I mean, how many showers did you forego? How many days did you not <laughs> yeah. take care of yourself right. because you just couldn't? Mm-hmm. You were out of that fuel. Yeah. I mean, you told me a really emotional story and I'm sharing it and putting you on the spot again, but the idea of just being in the parking garage and not wanting to stop the car. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you get to that point where you're just thinking, how can this end? When will it end? You know, I don't know. And how, how, like seeing yourself get through it, like, Mm -hmm. how am I going to survive this? How are we going to survive this? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, um, just in awe of both of your, your strength. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, like, I imagine there's, like, some practical pieces to this, too. Like, I I go to a doctor's appointment for myself, and I can't remember what the shit did, what just happened. (laughs) Like, what did they say to me? (laughs) So, like, being sleep-deprived, having a newborn, and having to be, like, this medical advocate in this, I, I don't know if either of you are in the medical field, but, like, it's a whole yeah. Other world and insurance. Um, oh my god, that's, that's a whole. A, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, insurance. And both of you just start laughing. Like the general so public has no idea. But yeah, I mean, gosh. Yeah, you would have to bring like a tape recorder. I wish that you would have, or had somebody in the background who is, you know, not biased, just writing stuff down because you're just so full of emotion and trying to figure out which direction to go in. Mm-hmm. Well, the yeah. things you get billed for, they don't ever run by you. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if the insurance company will cover what they billed you for. I, yeah. 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 You guys had an insurance just fiasco. I, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> well, it's just, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. No one's equipped or prepared for that. No. Mm-mm. So what were spouses like during this time? And hopefully you guys feel free to be candid about it. But do you feel like your spouse was supportive? Do you feel like you wish that they would have done things differently? Or do you feel like everything went the way it was supposed to go? Or are you still harboring some like, oh my gosh, I needed you to step up? I think my husband was, I thought my husband was really good. Like, um, one of the things that he helped me with it all just be forever thankful was, uh, breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So I had, um, you know, this baby was hooked up to machines and they were not giving him any food. So for a while they were just in my mind, starving him. It was very upsetting. And then they were giving him this TPN, which is like this fake protein stuff and they wouldn't give him breast milk. And I was just very upset about it. And I had a really difficult time. I was trying to lose my milk supply. And we had a lactation specialist come in and talk to me, but my husband was there as well. And she's like, what is your long-term goal for this child? And like, just the way that she talked to me and the way that she framed it, I'm like, I really want to have this breast milk available to him if he survives this chemo and this like Mm -hmm. just amazing medical situation, because, you know, he will not you know, the chemo kills off all of your immunity. So I'm like, I really want him to have that. I want him to have the very best that he can have um, if he lives. So we, my husband and I had a, a pact together. We had a goal that's going to keep my milk supply up, which as you can imagine, when you're like crying and praying and like just freaking out constantly, it's very hard. And potentially um, not drinking enough for yourself or right? eating yeah. enough for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he just, my husband was wonderful. He just like set a timer for me. He like, he was very, very supportive of, and like just encouraging. And he helped me with the, you know, with the breast milk, like, so far as we had to carry it to different floor. I don't think it's like this anymore, but we had to carry the breast milk to a different floor of children's hospital because it had to be in a certain refrigerator because mm-hmm. it's considered medicine. Or, it was just very crazy. Like it was not 
a breastfeeding friendly <laughs> place to be. It's like it's just so, so ironic. Yeah, it's like, well, this is like so big ironic. glass room, right? <laughs> I, just, I just got to the point of like, I really don't care. I'm like, there are doctors and nurses. They've seen it in medical school. And I just would, you know, but pumping is not very glamorous. Mm-hmm. At all. Even when you're alone. Even when you're alone. It's like, <laughs> uh, 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 I just but. feel like a dairy cow. Oh, totally. <laughs> I used to just put my head on my desk at work and just listen to it. So <laughs> funny. <laughs> but yeah. So I'll always like love and appreciate my husband for just, because I think that if he had been like, this is too much, let's just, I, I don't think I would have done it. But I think yeah. that his... Just, like, steadfast, like, you can do this, I believe in you. Um, I, I agree. Like, from the outside perspective, too, he was just steady Eddie and advocated for everything. I think he did a great job just mm-hmm. making sure everything was where it was supposed to be. And the kids, yeah, he was just great on keeping track of everything. I don't know how he did I have to stay on top of him now. Now that it's a little bit of a different story. Now that like we're past, like, <laughs> now that we're past the crisis, like my son has medi- daily medication he has to take, and like I, if I don't know what would happen if I passed away because my husband does not. I don't He'd think he knows again. the name in. of the medicine, the dose, like, refill it, the doctor that prescribes it. Like, so I end up carrying that I end up carrying a lot of the worry and a lot of like sure. a lot of the extra stuff that comes with having a special needs kid he d- he's not really helpful with that anymore I think yeah. he feels like I've got it <laughs> he's, he's drained he doesn't have anything left to take. <laughs> so Erica you're still in the thick of it Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're still, there's still more surgeries mm-hmm. to come. How has your spouse been during this whole process for you? Well, I mean, I mean, he's been like pretty much the same, you know, really good. I mean, um, at the beginning, I mean, he's, his job allows him to be a little bit more available, which is great. Um, I mean, cause he, we, every time we went to the hospital, he, we would both stay there. We'd both be in the room. We'd both sleep in the room. So, you know, we would take turns. Um, a lot of the times our son really just wanted me. So that was really hard, but he would go get food. He would do any of that that needed to be done. Um, now it's just, we're just kind of in like a holding pattern. So it's just a lot of like, you know, just goes to all the doctor's appointments um and definitely they're just you know we're in it together you know mm-hmm. it's it's his son and I mean we're both the caregivers in this case and um I'm sure it'll be the same when we <laughs> get to the rest of our surgeries um but yeah I mean we try to go to you know some of these special events and stuff that a lot of the kids that all have some of the cranio differences um go to and he's in there he's interacting he's so I mean, he's just been a great dad and great husband mm-hmm. through you know everything and um good support so yeah <laughs> that's so awesome yeah, yeah. we're that's one thing that I, we are really finding important is to promote, promote that there are amazing fathers out there <laughs> they there really are i mean there's a lot of men that step up to the plate and say i'm in it just as much as you are yeah. i'm going to be doing this mm-hmm. because i care about you and i care about baby and just want to be really supportive and Sounds like your husbands were really there and mm-hmm. were like, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So I remember you had said that you didn't really have extended family really around during that time, or did you have a good support system? Well, I had my MOPS group, so okay. I was part of, um, I, th- I don't think it exists anymore, but it was called Corona MOPS, it was like on 9th and oh. Corona in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a wonderful group of women. And so they actually delivered meals to our family for a solid nine months. Oh, wow. Like not, Yay. they didn't do it every single day, mm-hmm. but it was like, I think they did like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wow. they would bring us a dinner awesome. and it made just a tremendous difference mm-hmm. because it wasn't just, um... It wasn't just like having the food to eat. It was that we didn't have to pay because we were starting to hit some real financial difficulty at that time. Mm-hmm. And so just saving us on groceries, yeah. like I, I think that I don't really think about that when I bring other people meals, but mm-hmm. like it was huge for our family yeah. that they did that. And then um, when we left the hospital, on, we left the hospital finally on March 17th. Um, and we, when we had to bring him home, we had like, he was on oxygen and all this, like there were quite, there's quite a bit 
that needed to be prepared that was different than a normal nursery. And, like, my mops group got together and they, like, redid his nursery so that, like, we could, like, have a place for the oxygen tank and we could, like, that kind of thing. So they were just fabulous. Like, I think I needed a different type of, of um, onesies or whatever, like sleepers because he had um, ports still. And anyway, there was just a lot and he needed a feeding tube. I mean, there was a lot going on with him where it was just, it was, it was wonderful. So they were yeah. fabulous. Yeah. So they really like stepped up and yeah. I'm forever That's grateful awesome. to them. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Were you with them from baby one? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. And I had brought meals for other women and so, but never for that long. And so. <laughs> <laughs> but they just knew. So, right? They knew. Like that group that. Yeah, and they prayed for us. They did so many wonderful things, and so awesome. I I feel like I, I tell people like I feel obligated to bring people meals for like the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone ever needs a meal, like I have no room to say. Yeah, I'm well, busy. Tonight. Gosh, what an yeah. easy way though. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us are like, what do we do? What can we do? But making a meal, I mean, yeah. that's easy. I'm such a fan of the meal train. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, it was I wish wonderful. we could still One have simple it. Thing. Yeah. It's one simple thing. Mm-hmm. Just it's not mm-hmm. painful to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you don't know how to cook, but then just buy something. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple yeah. too. Right. Yeah. 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 Food gift cards are also good too. Right. Like yeah. to restaurants. That's a, that's a good thing yeah. to hold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want some normalcy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like you would like to go eat at Outback or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Or wherever you like to go. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. How about for you? Do you feel like you had a pretty good community of support? Um, yeah, I think like right in the beginning, we had a lot of friends who were like, you know, like, what can we do? Like, you know, meal trains was we did get like um, a couple of people who got his meal train after mm-hmm. um, like his surgery. Um, and that was good. I think what's hard is when you have a child that continually needs um, big surgeries over time, people start kind of pulling away mm-hmm. um, and uh less and less help over time because it's like, oh, he's just having another surgery. They can, I don't know if it's like they can handle it or, oh my gosh, he's having another surgery. Um, so I think that's a hard one is that you're, you're at least that's the way I felt. Um, I don't know if it's everyone would ever feel that way, but, um, yeah, it seems like you get less and less support as time goes on, sure. but definitely in those, um, in the first one, we definitely had a lot of help and support, like family, friends, um, that did like try to help out with like mm-hmm. food and mm-hmm. gift cards yeah. <laughs> which is really nice for our children's because there's a lot of like fast food so you can go and at least get something to eat while you're yeah. there you don't have to yeah. eat cafeteria yeah. food and you're are you yeah. going to the children's in aurora yeah 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 so far away well at least you live out there yeah we live up yeah well and one of the things we encourage on Parenting Naked is ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. But in situations like this, I'm sure that you don't want to ask for help, right? I'm sure that there are parts of you that's like, okay, you know, we're struggling over here and there's a lot of vulnerability. So saying out loud, if you see a friend in need, don't don't wait for them to ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. Like just go help. The worst that can happen is they can say, thank you. Can I get back to you in a couple months when I get my feet, mm-hmm. you know, grounded a little bit more? But yeah, there are times that I think it would be hard to say, yeah. can you help? Yeah. Here's I, what I really need. I think a lot of it was too, is I, was, I just, I, I want to just handle it myself. You know, I didn't want to have to like say, I can't do this, you know? Sure. Um, Carrying the weight. Yeah. 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 And so just kind of like. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to mm-hmm. say, or not, I didn't want to bother people too. Like, especially yeah. as time went on and like, he's three, it's like, I should have this together. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I should be figuring this out. Sure. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's just kind of, you know, yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, you just don't want to bother people with like, Oh, well we're doing this again. And you helped last time. Cause you help us again. You know? So I think it's kind of hard. So I think that is definitely, a good point where if like you do know mm-hmm. someone who's going through something like this that like just just surprise you know, them yeah because right? they're totally. probably not mm-hmm. going to ask especially yeah, as it goes on sure. they're probably just gonna be like well we'll do it and we'll get through it <laughs> you know so well and this yeah. kind of uh, brings up something for me personally because I've known about your situation um 
my parents are friends with Eric's parents. And so we've kind of known each other just through proxy and different friends. And so I never knew the extent, you know, mm. I would hear through your mother-in-law and then my mom. So it was always third party. Mm. And so I didn't really understand the gravity and mm. it felt like everyone kind of had it under control. Mm. And so it's nice to actually hear your story of it. And the, the social media aspect too of, Sometimes as moms, we put up only the good things. And so people go, oh, Erica looks fine. They've got this. And so mm-hmm. there's this, I guess, this illusion of people looking at social media going, oh, they're, they're great. And they mm-hmm. don't check in, right? Mm-hmm. right. I'm not going to check in because you guys look like you're doing great. We need to put that aside and really check in with our friends and with our family mm-hmm. of saying, you know, it looks like this was a really fun birthday party, but how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, just reaching out offline, yeah. offline, mm-hmm. offline. Yeah. What's yeah. it like? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. something that how you're doing. It was like, I talked to some other moms in the community and they're just like, that was one thing that never got asked. Like yeah. when you're first in all of this, it's like, well, what can we do or what's going to happen? What are, what's going to happen to your child? Like what, like, what are they doing? And like, mm-hmm. what's the prognosis and all of this, mm-hmm. but they never say to the mom or the dad, how, how are, are you, you doing? Yeah. Like what's going on with you right yeah. now? And that's, I think that's like, that's definitely I a big thing. I think those few words yeah. hits your heart real hard. And mm-hmm. it's hard to put a mask on when somebody really asks genuinely yes mm-hmm. how are you doing mm-hmm. yeah and I'm like I I don't know if this is true but I can kind of imagine that if somebody was like wanting to know well like what's what's the prognosis where is this going what's going to happen and like it's like well yes all these things are going to happen and more than likely he will be okay mm-hmm. is like almost because they want to be like oh okay <sighs> Yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, good. So yeah. that's great. Good. Okay, well, yeah, it was good seeing you. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you're like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. he's having all these surgeries. Yeah. It's not like we're there. Um, and it's not like it's not torture and painful process through throughout mm-hmm. until we get there. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, um, I think just uh, that's just something I think people do is they want to know, is it going to be okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. It's going to mm-hmm. be Okay. Or more than likely, it'll be okay. Okay. And mm-hmm. then they can kind of like, I did my check out and yeah. talk to you and we're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not cool. Yeah. So reach out to your friends more, like genuinely. Mm-hmm. Would you have minded if somebody just came to your house with like a meal without calling or anything? Um, During the first few weeks, I, I kind of, I think I was just... Well, we're on a I think I was like the other, the, yeah, the post-pregnancy, <laughs> the new baby. I was like hiding in our, our back room and I'm like, I just had Eric do everything. My husband, mm-hmm. I just had him do everything. I'm like, I'm not talking to anyone. Um, I'm just going to deal with this. I'm just going to be in the back and no one's going to come by. Um, I think later on, I think I would have been fine with people just being like, hey, mm-hmm. here's a meal. I just stopped mm-hmm. by or, you know, and mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't feel like talking to anyone or doing anything at the first couple, <laughs> couple of weeks. Course, I was like, yeah. I'm just done. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. And so you have your son, but you also have your a daughter too. Mm-hmm. And how old's your daughter? She's two. She's two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah. Nothing's easy. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, going through and life. How is she? Is she healthy? Things are good. She's fine. Yeah. So like we, um, since there was a genetic um, thing and it was 50% chance that any of our children would have it, we actually opted to go through IVF. So we did IVF with um, pregenetic diagnosis. Um, right. So we went through all of that and um, just like made sure that, that she would be healthy because um, our son thankfully is very mild. Um, eight surgeries later, he's still very mild. <laughs> um, and there's no way to know sure. what your child's going to be. Are they going to be mild? Are they going to be very severe? Some of the children die in infancy from it because they can't breathe. Like they just can't breathe. They don't have the ability to do so. So it's, um, there's really no way of knowing going into it if your child's going to be able to be fine. Um, so we decided to just go that route with it. Yeah. So she's healthy. She's fine. She's, (laughs) she's two, two, (laughs) total two. And if she's wearing a dress today, she's a princess. So, you know, she'll tell you, I'm a princess. So. (laughs) That's good. She's on track. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. (laughs) 
Is there anything that you two would like to add or just give strength or a shout out to anybody or anything that you feel like would be helpful to leave behind on the podcast today? That's a very general question. Or maybe like if if a parent's listening that Mm -hmm. has a baby with a new diagnosis, like what wisdom would you share with them or advice? I just, I think I would just say um, to somebody who's maybe um, concerned about Down syndrome or something like that, where there's a prediction and you hear um, the words quality of life, I would just encourage that person to really maybe do some more of their own research. I feel like um, that was one of the things that, you know, when we had the Down syndrome diagnosis, people you know, said they were concerned for quality of life. And that is a scary phrase to hear. Um, But my son, um, Skylar, has an amazing quality of life. In fact, I think you could probably argue he has a better quality of life than his typical siblings. Like he has been able to um, do Special Olympics. He's been able to do swimming with Special Olympics. He ski races with Special Olympics. Um, He's done kayaking with National Sports Center for the Disabled. Um, he's done, he's traveled around the world. He's, so he's hiked on the great wall of China. He's, he's hiked in the Swiss wow. Alps. Like he's just a phenomenal little boy. And he, he writes the most amazing stories. He's very happy. He's very resilient. And I think if you asked him if he was happy in his life, he would say, absolutely. He's just brought so much joy to our family. Mm-hmm. And so he definitely has challenges and, you know, I could spend a long time talking about some of the bad things that have happened to him that are just heartbreaking and difficult and some of the health stuff, especially like, you know, I mentioned the food thing, you know, watching him not be able to have nutrition when he was a baby. Like a lot of that's really hard as a parent to watch your child go through stuff like that. Um, but it's just so far outweighed by just the, um, by the beautiful things that he does to our family dynamic and just how much he contributes to our, to our family. And, you know, people have made negative predictions about him before and you will find, you know, you will find people in your life that are, you just have to move away from them. You will find people that you can move closer to who will be supportive and loving and positive who those people are might surprise you, you know, it did to us, but I just, I just want to insert, if somebody is, if somebody's, you know, contemplating, am I going to be able to cope with this? I just, um, the quality of life thing I think is a, is a false. Yeah. I think it's false. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He has such a zest for life and <laughs> I think he has just a heart of gold and would go miles to do something for somebody else or to make them happy. And mm-hmm. Yeah. He's pretty impressive. And I think just like, you know, same kind of thing. I mean, like, like the resiliency of the kids. I mean, they're just, I mean, it's, you think it's gonna, I mean, for the most part, I mean, obviously there's different diagnoses out there, but, um, children are resilient and I mean, they're just, I mean, they can heal quickly. They like a lot of this is so new and they're little, it's hard on you. Like they're not going to remember it. Most of them, you know, like most of the stuff, they're not going to remember what happened to them when they were two days old. You're going to remember it. It's going to be something that's going to like indelibly write on your soul. Um, but like that same thing, you know, when they, when they grow up, it's like, what are you going to make of their life? You know, like what, what opportunities can you give them? You know, it's not, it's not uh, their whole life. Isn't their diagnosis and diagnosis. It's not their life. Sure. Like, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, leave it at the medical. That's it's the medical, it's their diagnosis, but like, let them live what mm-hmm. like the best life that they can live and like mm-hmm. give them the opportunities. I think that's a big thing. You know, don't just, you know, it's hard right at the beginning to like think that their life is going to be anything other than their diagnosis, but sure. it'll get away from it. It they'll get hopefully, you know, more likely they'll get better, you know, and they'll be, you know, a, functioning member of society in some way so just let them have a life (laughs) you know so as much as they can (laughs) so 
thank you both so much. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, and the strength and the courage Mm -hmm. that you two have uh, shown just being here and talking about your story. Mm -hmm. You're building a village with us. Mm -hmm. You're opening doors that we couldn't have opened without you guys. So um, we hope that people continue to be support systems to all of you. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just appreciate you. We care about how you are doing we have to take care of ourselves. So hopefully during your time and your time that you were doing self-care, going to counseling and getting that part taken care of too, because that's big. It's big to be able to care for yourself and your baby and balance all of that. And it seems like you guys have found a way and are doing it. Even if there's some trips along the way, (laughs) you get back up and keep moving forward. So we're very excited that you guys came and very appreciative. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That concludes our episode for today. Thank you for listening to Parenting Naked Collaborative. To learn more about Parenting Naked Collaborative, visit us on the web at www.parentingnaked.com or follow us on Facebook at Parenting Naked. Thanks so much and have a great day.